Okay, let's, let's have a word of prayer to begin with. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this Sabbath we have had, for all the blessings you have given us, and thank you for this time we have, and I pray that you may just lead us and help us to yeah, learn as much as possible and, and be able to take something with us as we leave from here. Uh, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, welcome to the second session in this series, The Most Essential Unattacked Gift. The Most Essential Unattacked Gift of God's Remnant Church. Um, three parts. First part is how we can know, how we can be sure Elamite is a prophet. Second part is the importance, the necessity of the writings. And the third part we look at is the foretold attack of the writings. So yesterday we looked at the impo- uh, or how we can know Elamite is a prophet. And uh, we will... We'll Spend a little bit time to begin with on that today, but the main main time today we will we will use at welcome uh, at looking at the importance of her writings, and uh, yeah. So before we start, maybe we can start with a little bit repetition for you who were here yesterday, and for you who were not here yesterday, then you can learn a little bit of what we learned yesterday. So what is a prophet? Talked a little bit about that. What is a prophet? And one remember to be said. A person who speaks. Person who speaks for God, a spokesperson um, for God. What else generally, do you remember anything else generally we looked at about the gift of prophecy before we started to look on, on uh, how we can believe in Ellen White? We looked at some lessons about generally about the gift of prophecy. Anyone remembers? Hmm? Uh-huh. And didn't we have also three lists of the signs that, like... Uh, Biblical tests of a prophet, yeah. Yeah, tests of the prophet. Yeah. You need to... A couple of more things we talked about in the beginning. It was yeah. that uh, a prophet must be inspired from God and have authority. Yeah, yeah, we talked a little bit about the difference between a prophet, you know, because all, all of us are spokespersons for God, basically. But what is the difference? It's inspiration and authority. Um, yeah, we'll actually come back to some of it a little bit today, uh, of, uh, also what we looked on yesterday. But here is some, the reason we looked at, 10 reasons to believe in Ellen White. We, we looked at five of them, and we look on some more, not so much on all the five last ones. But she came at the right time. She bore, you know, we looked at this prophetic sandwich, right? Every time by the end of a time prophecy, we see a pattern that God is raising up a new prophet. So we could expect to see a new prophet uh, be raised up around 1844, just yes, the time she came. So she came at the right time. Also, we see other verses, right, that pro- telling us we can expect to see the gift of prophecy in God's remnant church, in the people of God, in the time of the end. Second reason, she bore good fruit. Even, you know, a secular newspaper really praises her good works and all, you know, all through her life. And, and even people that were kind of her em- enemies, you could say, is, Acknowledged that she was a noble Christian woman. Uh, third reason we looked at, she passes also the other test of a prophet. You know, it's what she says is in accordance with the Bible again and again. She uplifts the Bible, you know, points people to the Bible and to Jesus, uplifts Jesus. Uh, she fulfills the other test of a prophet. Fourth reason, her scientific foreknowledge. Welcome. Um, we see many things, you know, like she should have no clue about, but again and again, what she says about health, far 
ahead of science fits perfectly with you know how it is. Uh, another reason is just you know reading her eternally, like her great insight, uh, and see how well it fits with the Bible. You, you, you just sense when reading it that this has to be inspired. You know, it makes so much sense. Uh, like the violin story, right? When they heard the violins playing, it was no doubt this was this famous violinist, even though they couldn't believe it when they saw this violin. Anyway, we'll look at some more reasons before we go get into the importance of the spirit of prophecy. And the sixth reason is fulfilled prophecies. Uh, that is one other reason why I believe she is inspired by God. I want to tell you about something that happened in Parkville, 70 Avenue Church, generally 12, 1861. Um, this day, it was a you know very happy occasion, a joyous occasion in this church. Actually, you know they were dedicating a new house of worship, and uh, there were several leaders present there. Ellen White was one of them. And in connection with the afternoon meeting they had this day, she, you know, she had been speaking, but then she was taken in vision. It's quite interesting. It must have been quite interesting to be in a church and Ellen White is there and suddenly she, she gets into vision. This happened this day. She gets into vision and then when she comes out of vision, she tells the audience what she saw. And she starts to tell of how a number of states would join the South Carolina state in, uh, you know, in the secession. Um, that is to say... Uh, let's see, I wrote on this word, to, you know, the break, break away, the withdrawal of the United States, basically. She said several other states would do the same, like this state had done, you know, South Carolina state, state had done, and she started to talk about how the nation was on the brink of war. And then she started to describe, you know, views of armies in conflict with terrible carnage, you know, a bloodbath, basically, with bullets and bayonets. And she, saw, she describes how she saw battlefields covered with dead and dying people. And, you know, she describes scenes of suffering and overcrowded prisons. And she saw homes with distress and anguish uh, because people had lost husbands, sons, or brothers. And then, you know, after saying all of this, describing these scenes of war that she had seen in this vision, you know, she looks around in this church... You know, with a solemn and solemnly and sadly, she says, There are those in this house that will lose sons in the war. You know, can you imagine to have been in this church? Like, a prophet of God stands up and gets a vision from God. They could see, you know, usually when, when she got in vision, you know, they could see that she was in vision. And then she shares this message and she says, Someone, Some people in this room will lose sons in the war. Uh, I can imagine, you know, before it was a really happy, nice atmosphere, you know, it was uh, a new house of worship, you know, it was a special day, uh, a happy occasion, but I can imagine how everything suddenly changed when this message comes, you know, and it's completely silent and you can hear, you know, a pin drop. And then I can imagine how people, you know, they start to cry and they start to fear, could it be that my son will die in the war? And, you know, what makes this prediction especially interesting, is at this time when it comes, when she predicted this in you know, January 12, 1861, no one expected war. It was actually full three months later that you know, President Lincoln, he called for an army. Three months later. So at this time, no one ex- expected war, but this prediction came true. 
uh, in a few months, you know, the dread, dreadful war was in progress, uh, and this led to four sad years. Uh, and again and again, the newspapers bore account, you know, with, to the accuracy of the, this prediction that was made in this church this day. And no less than five families that was present in this church that day lost uh, their sons in this bloodbath. So, this is one example, one prediction. I will look at one more prophecy that has been fulfilled. Um, that is a prophecy about the publishing work. Uh, at a meeting in Dorchester in Massachusetts, I don't know how you say this. Anyway, uh, she got a vision, November 1848. And uh, in this vision, she saw how the Advent movement would be like you know, the rising sun that shines over all the earth. And after the vision, she told her husband, James White, I have a message for you. You must begin to print a little paper and send it out to the people. Let it be small at first, but as the people read, they will send you means with which to print, and it will be a success from the first. From this small beginning, it was shown to me to be like the streams of light that went clear round the world. Very interesting. She got a very specific message how this movement would be, grow to become a worldwide movement. And especially the publishing work would prosper. And what makes it also very interesting is that this was very unlikely at that time. This was a crazy prediction, basically. You know, at the time, the Seventh Adventist Church, the Advent movement only had about 50 members. And most of them were poor and unlearned. And James White at the time, he was penniless. And she comes with this prediction, this work, publishing work, you, you are going to start this paper, this guy that doesn't have no money, you know, you are going to start this, and it's going to reach the world, you're going to be, you know, it's a crazy prediction. And, you know, people in that time, welcome, people in that time, they said to the, to the 70 Adventists, listen to this, uh, it will take 144,000 years uh, to accomplish the work. It was not John Loughborough that said this, but he records how people said this to them. It will take 144,000 years to accomplish the work you, you contemplate. Only three preachers, Pastor James White and his wife and Joseph Bates, all without means and less than 100 members. <laughs> and a message to the world? Unreasonable imaginations. You know, people said this to them, and you know, we can understand why they said this, but she gets this vision, she gets this, she comes with this prediction, and her prediction against all odds came true. Today, Seventy Adventist Church has more than 17 million members, that is approximately 340,000 times more than this prediction, a little more than 100 years ago, was you know, when it was predicted. We have 17,000, more than 70,000 ministers. Uh, we have uh, 71, more than 71,000 churches. We have 63 publishing houses, uh, you know, literature in 172 languages, and so on. So this prediction also came true. This is just two examples. You could look at many examples. I remember one time a guy, a pastor in my church, he had a sermon when he was talking about all the prophecies uh, from the great controversy that had come true only after his conversion. So just in a few years, and like he told about everything, this has been fulfilled after this, this, and this, and this. Uh, this is just two examples. 
much more could be said. Um, so this is fulfilled prophecies. That's another reason why I believe in Ellen White. Uh, um, the eighth reason why I believe she is inspired by God, that she is from God, is miracles in connection with her visions. Miracles in connection with her visions. Uh, you know, many times when she had visions, she was examined by doctors, uh, prominent doctors, uh, many doctors also that did not believe that were not Adventists or Christians even. You know, they, they asked them to come there to examine her when she had visions. And, you know, they saw things there that they could not explain. Uh, you know, for instance, she had no breath when she got visions. They tried in many different things, in many occasions, you know, they, sometimes they took their hand in front of her mouth and see if she was breathing or a mirror. Uh, and they tried these kind of things, but she didn't breathe, nothing. They tried to do this. You know, the heart was beating, but no, they couldn't see how the lungs were moving and, and no breath. But still she was moving around, you know, she, she was talking. Like they could not explain. They said, you know, this is supernatural. They couldn't explain uh, the things, you know. So she didn't breathe, no action of the lungs. Uh, and also, yeah, supernatural, supernatural physical strength. You know, sometimes they tried, you know, if she was moving around, sometimes it got some of the strongest people in the congregation when she had a vision to try to get up and try to move her. They couldn't move her from the spot. They couldn't hinder her in any way. This small, tiny woman, she, you know, she had clearly supernatural strength in vision. So no doubt, this was from a higher power. And, uh, you know, one example of that is one, at one occasion, she held... I think it is this exact Bible, at least a very similar Bible. You can see it um, at uh, Maryland. No, where, where is it? Uh, yeah, White Estate in Maryland, close to Baltimore. You can find a Bible uh, that she, at one time, a heavy family Bible. Um, it was with the weight of more than eight kilos. She held it out, straight arm, for 30 minutes. More than eight kilos. And, you know, if you have tried to, to hold something out, you know, just like three, four kilos, you can't stand like this very long. She held an eight kilo heavy Bible for, you know, 30 minutes with her arm straight out and uh, with her left arm even, actually. And uh, she, she usually, under ordinary circumstances, she was unable to pick up this book. She was too weak to pick up. She couldn't, do, you know, she couldn't even hold it up like this. Because she, she was, at the time, you know, she had not so good health in the beginning. Like she, had some, like she wasn't very strong. Like she couldn't usually not do it at all. But then she stands there for half an hour in the left arm. And uh, at another occasion, she held, held another big family Bible uh, with one you know, out with one hand, lifted up as high as she could, uh, and then with her eyes, you know, steadily looking up, she was, she was uh, in a solemn manner, you know, declaring the testimony from God. She was walking around, she had a vision, and she was speaking, you know, looking up, up to heaven. She did that several times when she had visions, you know. And, uh, and, uh, and many times you could see, like, how she had a special, almost like, uh, light countenance. She, uh, she like, very nice movements when she was walking around. It was like really, it was a, it was, you could see that she was in vision. Um, but anyway, she had held this Bible up as far as she could and walking around, sharing what, talking, you know, things she, she learned from the vision. And with the other hand, 
you know, she was pointing on the passage. She couldn't see it. She held it high up. And she was correctly uttering the words that she was pointing at during this vision. And, you know, it was many people present there. They looked at the passage where she pointed, and they could see she spoke it correctly. Like, she, she couldn't see it, although she was, you know, pointing in different verses. And I, this is right, this is right. Like, this kind of miracles in connection with her visions is one reason why many people in the beginning actually believed in her and why she, she got, uh, yeah, she could, why she still is believed, I believe, as a, as a prophet as well. Um, so, another thing, ninth reason, I will not say so much about this, but you had several things, confirmations, basically, in the beginning of her ministry that I think God ordered things to happen in a certain way to make people believe in her. Like, it's a bold claim to say that you're a prophet, but God made different things so people could believe in her. For instance, uh, in the beginning when she got visions, many people were present when she had, like several times, quite often people were present in the room when she got a vision. Uh, But later in her ministry, that didn't happen so much. It it happened much more in the beginning, I believe, because God, and she says actually, she, she says this happened in this way because people would believe that it is from God. That's why God did it. It's very interesting. Another thing is, like other people got, like another guy got the same vision like her, the first vision, uh, and when she shares this, you know, he, he, that, com- that confirmed, he could confirm through that, this is true. I, I also saw this actually. So several things God, you know, did in the beginning, it's kind of helping to confirming us, making people be able to see, see this, is, this, this is from God. The tenth reason, the last reason we will look at before we go into the importance of her writings, why do we have you know, why did God raise up a new prophet? Uh, that is basically simply her own claims. And, and you will understand what I mean with that when I read this. Listen to this. God and Satan never work in co-partnership. The testimonies either bear the signet of God or that of Satan. A good tree cannot bring forth corrupt fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. By their fruit ye shall know them. God has spoken, who has trembled at his word. So she says, this is either a signet of God, on this testament, or that of Satan. No middle ground. This is either from God or from Satan. And listen to this. God is either teaching his church, reproving their wrongs, and strengthening their faith. Or he is not. This work is of God, or it is not. God does nothing in partnership with Satan. My work for the past 30 years bears the stamp of God, or the stamp of Satan, or the stamp of the enemy. There is no halfway work in the matter. The testimonies are of the Spirit of God or of the devil. Yes? Can you show again the previous quotation? Because I want to see, okay, 98. Yeah, testimonies 598. So she is very clear, right? She says, and you know, if she is above at all, this, you know, either this, she is from God or from the devil. If she claims this, she can't just be, you know, a good woman, just, you know, coming with some good, you know, messages that can be uplifting to us. No, either she is from God or she is from Satan. And when we look look at, uh, you know, when we clearly see, for instance, what happened in her vision, we clearly see this has to be, this is supernatural. This is not a, a regular person, you know. And, but when we see on, for instance, the fruits of what she says, of her life, uh, when we see you know, how she's uplifting the Bible and pointing people to Jesus. You know, some people say, 
you know, it's enough with the Bible. We don't really need Ellen White. It's enough with the Bible. But actually, it's interesting. Uh, studies show, actually, that those who read Ellen White, they, study, they read the Bible more. They are more active in witnessing and different things. Like, it's so much that could be said about the fruits of her writings. Like, we saw how the development of the Adventist Church with publishing houses, this and that, a lot of hospitals all over the world. Like, so many things, you know, Adra, this uh, help agency work. Like, all of this, basically, in so short time that this could happen, it would be impossible without the role she played in this work. So you can, see a lot, you can talk a lot about the good fruits. Uh, you know, when I see, when I read and see how she's pointing people, how it makes so much sense, she leads people to the Bible. Her own claims, she claims to be a prophet of God. She claims to be, be of God. And I believe that is true when I see it makes yeah, all the other things and that she fits all the tests with, uh, yeah, of uh, biblical test of a prophet. Anyway, so that's some reasons to believe in Ellen White. Now, let's go over to the importance of her writings. Why? Uh, do we really need this gift? Why did God raise up uh, a new prophet? Okay, the first reason, simple reason, but still a good enough reason, uh, if God sends some prophets, I raise up a new prophet with a message that tells us, basically, it's a message from our loving God and Savior, from our loving Creator and, and Savior. Uh, you know, if you would get a letter from a, you know, a girlfriend or a husband or, I don't know, what, uh, if someone gets a letter from, that, from, from, from a loved one, you would usually read it, right? You wouldn't, you know, take it and just put it on the shelf and let it stay there for three years. You know, you, you, would, you would want to read it because that person loves you and you love that person. And here is, if, if our loving God and Savior sends us a message, it's also in itself, that, that is in itself... Uh, a good enough reason to, to give it our attention. Uh, simple reason, but still a reason to, 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 to give it our attention. Another reason why we should give it a, our attention or the importance of her writings, something we talked a little bit about yesterday, prophets, the gift of prophecy, is the main way God communicates with his people. It's the main way God communicates with the people. You know, the big majority of what every one of us know about God and his will, we know because of the gift of prophecy, because of prophets, what they have told of what God has showed them through vision and dreams. So this is the, this is the main way, you know, God, sometimes, of course, he gives dreams and visions and things like this, and he sends angels even sometimes. But the main way God has chosen to communicate with us is through prophets. So, so therefore, when God raises up a prophet, there is something we, or, or like, if this is the main way he communicates, that's a good reason to give it our attention. A third reason why this is important is that the gift of prophecy, also something we talked about yesterday, a little bit of repetition here, it's the most essential gift. It's the most essential gift. We looked at yesterday, right, we talked a little bit about, you have uh, four lists, of spiritual gift to the church. Three places, four lists. And the only gift mentioned in all these lists is the gift of prophecy. And it's always mentioned either as the first one in the list or the second one. I think that's one time it's only as the second one. So that shows us a little bit about the importance that this is, I think, the most important, the most powerful gift to the church. Uh, and, you know, when you think about it, right, so as I said yesterday, if you could choose between having a teacher in your church or a prophet... 
what you think could do most good, you know. Quite powerful to have a prophet in your church telling you how you, what you should do to reach people in the city and these kind of things. It's the most essential gift. That's another good reason. Uh, another thing that tells us about the importance of uh, the message she has to bear. Fourth reason uh, for, to give it our attention is actually because we do not study the Bible enough. We do not study the Bible enough. Listen to this very interesting quote. I took the precious Bible, she writes, and surrounded it with the several testimonies for the church, given for the people of God. Here, said I, the cases of nearly all are met. The sins they are to shun are pointed out. The counsel that they desire can be found here, given for other cases situated similarly to themselves. God has been pleased to give you line upon line and precept upon precept. So interesting. She takes the Bible and the testimonies and she says, this is basically everything you need to know what, what to not do, to know how to live. And then she continues. I, uh, sorry. Uh, but there are not many of you that really know what is contained in the testimonies. And you're not familiar with the scriptures. Listen to this. If you had made God's word your study with a desire to reach the Bible standard and attain to Christian perfection, you would not have needed the testimonies. So she says, if you would have studied this with the right mindset, with a willingness to reach the Bible study, Bible standard, actually you would not have needed the testimonies, she says. You wouldn't have needed it. Let's continue. Um, it is because you have neglected to acquaint, acquaint yourselves with God's inspired book that he has sought to reach you by simple, direct testimonies, calling your attention to the words of inspiration which you had neglected to obey and urging you to fashion your lives in accordance with its pure and elevating teachings. So basically he says, the reason you get the testimony is because you have neglected to study the Bible as you should. You haven't studied it as you should. That's why God has raised up me as a new prophet and given you these messages. Because you haven't studied this as you should with the willingness to really reach the Bible standard. And, uh, and she says, you have, you, know, you have neglected to obey. Uh, and then she continues on. I don't have the rest of the quote here from Testimonies 2, uh, 6 or 5 on the, on the screen. Uh, but what she continues to say is also very interesting. It's, she says that she talks about Israel, how God gave them his law, but they would not obey it. Uh, so then he gave them, after that, he gave them ceremonies and ordinances, right? He gave them many more instructions. And basically, uh, she, she, he, she says, you know, it was necessary to do that. Uh, uh, but she says, if, if they would have followed it would not have been necessary. It would not have been required. So basically she says the same, you know, in the time of Israel, they would actually not need all these ceremonies, all these ordinances that they were given if they had been more willing, you know, to follow what God told them. She says the same is the case today. We, we, you wouldn't, in one way, not really need these testimonies, but because you do not study it, give it the attention as you should, uh, God has given more light, you know, make it even more clear. Right, the thing is this, 
Um, or before I say that, I can say this. Um, you know, some, I, I know some people say, you know, when they hear this quote, they, they say that, yeah, okay, so if we just read the Bible, doesn't matter how uh, superficial we read it, if we just read it, then we don't need the writings of Ellen White. Some people will say that when they hear this quote. Uh, but the thing is this, uh, she writes this to the people of God, and even, uh, and with other words, she says, yeah, they, they are not familiar with the scripture, but that doesn't mean that they do not read the scripture at all. But the problem is they are not as acquainted with the scripture as they should have been, and they do not read it with the desire to reach the Bible standard as they should. So, so that's why, and it says they have neglected to obey. With other words, they have heard things, they know things, but they haven't obeyed it. So, so, so it does not mean that if you read the Bible, however superficial, you have what you need, you know, to, to be faithful to God to the end. That, this quote, that is what, not what this quote is saying. Anyway, I think it's a little bit like this. You know, this is, of course, a book several thousand years ago in, from a different culture, uh, in a different time, in a different language. And sometimes it's hard for us to see and understand what these principles of the Bible means for us in the 21st century. Right? It's not always easy to... You can read a passage or, or a story or a verse and we don't understand always what this means for us. It's not always easy to, to see the application of it. But that's why we get so much help from a, more, you know, a modern prophet, a prophet in our time, that helps us to see, to apply basically the Bible truths. And that's basically what she does. You know, she helps us to understand more. She makes it even clearer what this means or should mean to our lives today in the 21st century. I think a good illustration of, of, of the role of Ellen White that has quite often been used is that it is like a magnifier. It's like a magnifier. It, it, doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't take away things. It just takes what you have and makes you see it even clearer. It helps you to see what is there. That's, I think, the role. And, and it's a reason why God has given it, you know, like... Also, that God gave ceremonies and ordinances, it was necessary. In the situation, in our situation, God saw it necessary to raise up a new prophet. Okay, uh, fifth reason why her writings are important is that, you know, God, he speaks for a reason. God speaks for a reason. He doesn't waste Words. You know, I heard a story not so long ago about a man, you know, he went to church many, many years, 20 years or something like that. And then, you know, one day he said to the pastor, you know, I can have the children's story one time in church. And, you know, sure, you know, he has been in church all these years. He should know how to, to, to have a children's story, right? So, so he gets the chance. One Sabbath, he gets the opportunity to have the children's story. And so he stands up, you know, he comes to church and he stands up, you know, he goes forward to have the children's story. And he starts to tell the following story. I was driving to church, and there I saw some children standing. That's it. That was everything he said. <laughs> That's everything he said. <laughs> he stood up, he has said this short story. No point at all in the story. <laughs> Friends, if you have a children's story, if you preach in church, don't stand up and share something without a point. You know? That's how not, not how it should be done. God is not like that. When God shares a message, when he sends a messenger, it's a purpose. It's a point. He doesn't share pointless things. He doesn't send a messenger without a reason. So, you know, God speaks for a reason. When God raises up a prophet, that's one reason why we should 
give it our attention. Another reason connected with this, God shares much light for a reason. God doesn't waste words. If he shares something and if he shares much light, there is a reason why he shares much light. Imagine if you got a, a letter from, you know, from uh, Barack Obama. Would you read it? It would be quite interesting. If you could see, like, on the envelope, right, this is from the White House in the United States. You would be curious. You're like, man, what does this guy want to write to me? You know, if he has taken time to sit down and to actually write something, uh, that should be something of, uh, yeah, you should, maybe you would be scared, yeah. Uh, but, but we would be curious. Like, it should be something important if he writes it. You know, we would, we would want to read and find out what it is. And especially, imagine if he would write, if he would get like a 20 pages long letter from Barack Obama. You think, man, this needs, really needs to be important, you know. And uh, you would actually, you would want to see what he had to say. Any one of you knows how much Ellen White has written, approximately. Anyone knows how many books? Fifty. Fifty. It's a little bit more actually. Sixty books, and four thousand five hundred articles in total. Approximately, it has been calculated twenty-five million words. This is quite a lot. To to understand it a little bit more in comparison, comparison, the Bible. It's about 800,000, a little bit less than 800,000 in most Bible translations. Uh, with other words, she has written about 30 times as much as the Bible. So it is a lot of writings. It's a lot of content. And, you know, for sure, you know, it's like some people... They, they use a lot of words, right? You know, always if they get an opportunity to share something, they use a long time, you know, you, you know these kind of people, right? If they get the chance to talk, they talk a lot, you know, they, they, they use a long time. But other people, they are very short, they are very pointed, right? They, they can share something, they always share, like they write, they write something very short. And like some people, it's different, right? Um, how is it with God? Uh, do you think, is he the type of God that used many words or few words? Like, or to write, ask another question, do you think God could write something short and still, you know, communicate necessary? Do you think he would be good in doing that? Some people are good in writing things short and still get the message through, right? Do you think God would be good in doing that? Well, if you regard the Bible, then he's doing that perfectly. Yeah? Some verses can um, describe the universe. Uh-huh. Uh, I think LNG White is tends to use rather more words. When I read to, uh, through Steps to Christ, I think it's long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uses many words in Steps to Christ. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but I think, I think we all agree that God, he can, or he would be the best one in the universe to write something short and pointed if he can, you know, when he wants to. Uh, but, but this comes, brings us to, to another important point that makes the illustration not as good. The thing is, it's important to understand Inspiration, you know, clearly God does not inspire uh, people by something called verbal inspiration. He doesn't tell them, you know, word by word what to write. Usually not. You know, there are some occasions when you hear an angel speak or something that it's word by word. But usually he, and that, you know, we clearly see that when you read the Bible, you see that it's different. You can recognize the, the, the writer. It's a different style how they write, you know. God inspires the thoughts. So it is Ellen White's words, and it could be because of her. You know, if it was another prophet getting the same message, it could, could be less words. 
could well be. Um, but the thing is this, so, so therefore the illustration is not so good, uh, but, uh, but the thing is this, you know, God gave about 2,000 visions to Ellen White. And if he gives so much light, there is a reason. There is a reason why he gives so much light. He could have given you less, but he saw, for, in his wisdom, he saw, okay, I will give this prophet about 2,000 visions. Yes, Henry. Just one question. These 60 books, is that included? Is that the compilations included, or is that cover to cover? Do you know that? Um, I think it should not be compilations. Probably not. I think it would be strange to, to write that. But I'm not sure. I got it from somewhere. So I'm not sure what they meant, actually. It didn't, I don't think it specified it in the book where I got it from. But anyway, uh, this is some years ago as well. So it has come quite some compilations after that. But yeah, good question. But anyway, it's a lot. 2,000 missions, 25 million words, about 30 times as much as the Bible. Anyway, so you know, the point is this. If God shares much light, there is a reason why he shared so much light, so many visions and dreams, you know, to this prophet. And that really shows us, man. Uh, can you imagine, you know, uh, here we have the king and creator of the universe. Uh, you know, here we have someone that do not share pointless things like this man standing up having the children's story, right? Here we have someone uh, that do not waste words, someone that would be able to communicate a very condensed message if he wanted to. He could have, you know, made it, you know. But still, he decides to share, uh, to, to give a message and to share much light. That shows us, okay, this, this is something important. This is something that we really, you know, if he has taken time to, to communicate the, all these messages... There is really something we should, you know, give our attention or take the letter from Obama, you know, like, like you know, we would never have put it up on the bookshelf, like just letting it stand there all the time. The same way we should not just take these books, these writings and put them on the shelf, you know, we should, we should give it our attention. The process that you want to finish the work. Yeah. Um, around that time, 1844, there were some other, um, some false prophets, right? Yeah. Did you talk about them before I came? No, briefly yesterday only, yeah. Not anything more today. And there was a list of different guys that, I don't know, the, the seven... Joseph Smith, for instance, yes. came in that time, yeah. The Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons, they rose at this, around the same time, right? Mm. And they had not so much, yeah, so many writings and so many articles, or what do you know about that? What does everybody here know about them? <clears throat> um, I don't know so much about them. Joseph Smith, he wrote this, this book. I don't know how much, how much, how thick it is. But yeah. Joseph Smith doesn't, didn't they write much the book of Mormon? Oh, they wrote it afterward, yeah. Is that how it was? I don't remember. Anyway, yeah, I think that's interesting. We talked about it yesterday, you know. I think Satan could recognize the pattern. There should come a prophet around 1844, right? You know, what would he do then? The perfect thing would be to raise up false prophets to bring confusion so people would not know what to believe. And to maybe they would think, oh, she, Ellen White, she, she's probably the same one like Joseph Smith. This is, this is something strange. We need to stay away from her. You know, it's a very smart thing, I think, for him to do. Anyway, um, seventh reason for the importance of her writings is that it will be of special importance in the time of the end. This message 
God has given will be of special importance in the time of the end. That's another good reason to give it our attention. You know, uh, yesterday we studied a little bit about the gift of prophecy in the Bible, what the Bible has to say about the gift of prophecy. And uh, in Ephesians 4, we looked at some reasons for, for you know, one of the, some of the purposes of these gifts to the church. Do you remember, anyone remember, what was this, what was the reasons was mentioned there? Why did, they, did the church have these gifts? Remember some of the reasons? Yes, to equip the equipping of the saints. That was one of the reasons of the gifts. Yeah, anyone remember some of the other ones? Reading for work is pretty much the same. Yeah, reading for work, yeah. One I'm thinking of especially, it says there in the end, uh, so that you will not be tossed to and fro with every wind of the doctrine. Basically, so that you can stand firm, so you can know what to believe. It also says, like, right, in Ephesians 2, that the gift of prophecy is the foundation of the church. Like, it's part of the foundation of the church. It's like a very essential gift. Uh, and it helps us, this foundation helps us to be able to see what is, you know, to be, what is deceptions, you know, what is false teachings. It helps us to stand firm through all these winds of doctrines. And if there ever was a time, you know, when we needed this help, it would be in the time of the end, right? Jesus prophesied it will come false prophets, false teachers. It will be, you know, a time of religious confusion. Even among, you know, inside the church, it was prophesied how it would come in things and false teachers and things like this, also in the time of the end. So in order for us to stand firm and to know what to believe, you know, in that time, and as we saw also, you know, we could expect to see a gift, a prophet among God's people, among God's remnant church, Revelation 12, 17, uh, in the end, I think to help us to stand firm through that time. Yes, yeah. And especially as Seventh-day Adventists that are ex- um, expecting the end of this world, um, I can imagine that people at that time, at Ellen G. White's time, have asked many questions. Well, if there's the end of the time, how will you do this and this and this? Uh, it's just impossible to live like this and this, I mean, or to fulfill all the requirements of God as strictly as she has described it and that's why uh, this variety of her writings and especially the topics i mean for example country livings and outpost ministry all these things that she's writing about uh, gives enables us makes makes it possible for us to answer these questions that all the people mm. uh, might have asked around 1844 mm. the following years yeah for sure it's no other nobody else has written about these topics Mm. I mean, this is a book of Mormon, for example. It tells, it talks about the history of of America. Um, yes, okay. How is that important for our eternal life? Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's so yeah, so true. She, uh, she has a lot of practical counsel. Yeah, for sure. In many areas, that's uh, true. I think in the time we are living, that can be, you know, so much confusion. You know, in health, for instance, right? Some scientists say this is good; you should do this. And some say no, you should not do this. It's so many different opinions, and it's hard to know. You know, the wind of doctrines when it comes to health and how to live and how to take care of our body and stuff. Also, in these areas, like a, a gift like this, shows us, you know, how to live, how to have a best possible life. You know, to, it helps us to get the abundant life, basically which God wants to give us. And that's the purpose, I think, of, of the messages he communicates to us, that we may receive the abundant life 
he wants to give us. Uh, I want to read some very interesting quotes here about that shows us. You know, some people say they think a little bit. Sometimes, you know, sometimes even amateurs, you think a little bit like this. You know that yeah, you know her writings were nice and, and good, uh, but some of this kind of it was like more for that time. You know, when she lived. For that time, it was nice, but it, it, it's not really so important today. You know, some people have a little bit this thought, but but if she is inspired at all, that is a lie, a lie of the devil. Uh, listen to what she says. Abundant light has been given to our people in these last days. This is from Selected Messages 3, page 76. Whether or not my life is spared, my writings will constantly speak. And listen to this. And their work will go forward as long as time shall last. So it will not, and it was not only for that time, it will actually go forward uh, as long as time lasts. And my writings are kept on file in the office, and even though I should not live, these words ha- that have been given to me by the Lord will still have life and will speak to the people. And listen to this quote. Um, abundant, oh, sorry, I forgot to move one word here. Physically, uh, I have always been as a broken vessel, and yet in my old age, the Lord continues to move upon me by his Holy Spirit to write the most important books that have ever come before the churches and the world. So, you know, you see, she says, tells us, these messages God has given me, they are very important. You know, this is, this is very important message. There is a reason why God raised up a new prophet. And listen, it continues. The Lord is evidencing what he can to do through weak vessels. The life that he spares, I will use to his glory. And when he may see fit to let me rest, his messages shall be of even more vital force. Even more vital force than when the frail instrumentality through whom he were delivering was living. So she says very clearly, this will be, the work will go forward until the end. This will be important even, you know, until Jesus comes back. Actually, it will be even more powerful and do even more good uh, in the end, after, you know, her life. So, yeah, for sure it's still relevant today and important today. One more quote on this. Listen to this. This is a powerful promise, actually. Powerful promise. Men may get up scheme after scheme, and the enemy will seek to seduce souls from the truth. You know, he will do everything he can to lead the people away from truth. But all who believe that the Lord has spoken through Sister White and has given her a message will be safe from the many delusions that will come in these last days. Powerful promise. All who believe that God has spoken through Sister White and has given her a message, they will be safe from all the delusions that will be in the time of the end. So, yeah, if you want to be faithful to the end, a good piece of advice, hear and heed the message of Christ through his prophets. It will be important, of special importance in the end, where it's more religious confusion, it will be more, more vital force, more important than ever before in the time we are living in today to help us know, to have a sure foundation, uh, to stand strong in this difficult time, like the most, right, the most difficult time in all our history, as Jesus tells us, will come in the end. More than ever before, we need this special help uh, through our writings. Times when there are 
uh, when especially young people are distracted by different kinds of music, mm -hmm. video games and all that electronical stuff. I've been into gaming very long and really wasted my life. Mm. And uh, also when it comes to relationships, for example, mm. what she is talking about the Adventist home, about marriage, how it should be, it makes so much sense. And we can see that even in our church, there's the divorce rate is super high. Yeah, yeah. So many delusions. That's true. So many distractions that Satan has put into this world. And I mean, just with the Bible, only with the Bible, it's sometimes hard to... I mean, the Bible reveals sin, mm -hmm. for sure. But sometimes, I mean, maybe we are just too defiled already to find these truths. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you really, like she says, you know, if you really, I think, would have studied, like really, really wanted to know and really were seeking and pleading with God, it, we would have enough there, usually, you know, but basically never that is the case. Like, we need more light to understand in the time we are living. If you think about it, right, Satan, he has 6,000 years of experience, right? Uh, like, he's even better now, probably, to deceive people, to lead people away, you know, from God and from his truth and from right living than ever before. So, you know, I think you can say the task of a prophet is to help God's people to stay on the right track, to live in the right way. So, yeah, when we see all this, the world we are living in, like relationship, all this entertainment, all these different things that influ are influencing us, like more than ever before, we need this, this guide to stay on the right track. Uh, the last reason um, I want to look at, or we'll not say so much about it, but I think we need... Uh, the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy will play an important role in finishing of the work. I believe, if if we are ever going to reach the world, you know, we need the counsels to, that we have gotten through through her writings. Like, and uh, you can say she has given so much counsel, you know, on health work, how to reach people with health, on schools and education. That is, uh, in many of these areas, that, like it's the best you can get. You know, so good counsel, like in education and in, in these things. Like if you compare it with what the world has to say on this council, it's so such so much light we have received, and, and that's why I think we have been able to accomplish so much. You know, in publishing work in schools like the second largest network of schools in all the world after the Catholic Church. Uh, there is, of course, you know, many, many more members, uh, more than one, what is in English, billion members. Um, and, uh, but still, I think it is, you know, we have even more councils, even more things, specific things that we have not followed as we should, because then I think we would not be here. Uh, but... I think when we start to, if we hear and hear the counsel she has given in how to reach the world, you know, basically, even more specifically, take the principles of the Bible and help us understand how Jesus worked and these kind of things. Man, in a short time, if we take, you know, if we hear and hear these counsels, in a short time, the world will be reached. And, and, and that's how it will happen, I think. It will play an important role, these counsels, for us to, to reach the world uh, with the gospel. I want to close with a story. Um, Uriah Smith, one of the early pioneers, he used to tell this story kind of to, to illustrate the role of the spirit of prophecy. And I think it's a very good illustration. Um, he said, suppose that we were going out, you know, we're going to start uh, a voyage, start to travel with a boat. And the owner of this ship, he, you know, he gives a book of directions to us. 
And he tells us, you know, if you follow the directions and instructions given in this book, uh, that would be enough for you for the whole journey. You will be safe from the whole journey if you heed these instructions. You will reach safely uh, the port of your destination. So they are setting sail, you know, and they, go, they start this journey. And then they open this book to learn the content of this book. But then they find that in this book, the author only has given them general principles for how to, to get to the port, you know. And, uh, uh, but, but here it also says in the book um, that in the, the last part of the journey will be especially difficult, especially perilous, but especially difficult part. And, but in order to help them to be able to, 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 to complete that journey safely in this difficult part, he will send them, um, how do you say that in English, uh, a pilot, someone that will come basically and show them the way. He will send an extra help to the last part to give them even more clear direction of where they should sail and where they should not sail. So, so there is this in this book, and you know, and they set sail. You know, they are sailing on this trip, and they get close to the, their destination. And now they come into the, the the last part of this voyage, and uh, they come into the difficult part. And then this 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 pilot, this guy that is going to to show them the way in the end, he shows up. Suddenly, this guy is there. But some people on this ship, they say, no. We don't really need to follow this guy. We don't really need to listen to him, you know. We have this book of instructions. That is enough for us, you know. It has been enough so far. It will be enough to the end, right? It's sufficient for us. But some other guy says, no, we should listen to him. It actually, it says in, in, in this book, you know, that we need this help. And so, so, so they want to follow, but some others... They say, no, it's enough, we don't need to follow. Who of them, who of these two groups is actually following the instructions of the book? Of course, those who want to listen to the man, right? Because the book told them, you need that extra help, that extra guidance in the end, in the last part of the journey that will be a special, difficult journey. Um, that is how it is, I think, with the spirit of prophecy. We have been told God will raise up a prophet in the end, in this difficult time of earth's history. And there's a reason why God has done it. The question for you and me is, who do you want to be like of these two groups? Do you want to be like them that actually heed uh, the counsel or uh, listen to the counsels of the Bible to, that it will be a raised a prophet that will help you in the last part of the journey, difficult part of the journey? Um, that is, for sure, I want to do that. Uh, that's a very smart thing to do in this time we are living, yes. Uh, it's also a nice uh, uh, little detail of Genesis, like it also says, but it's, you can find it easily in the Bible, the same rule, that, uh, like you said, that the prophet keeps you from wandering around with mm. different teaching. That uh, Nowadays we know that we have a lot of different teaching inside the church. And with the uh, spirit of prophecy, we can easily find what is the right way. But if we didn't have it, we would be... Like someone decides that it's you need to sleep so that it's minus 20 inside house. And you, he thinks that, yeah, this is, this is what we need to do. And many crazy things from the Bible. And what the spirit of prophecy is very good of 
helping us to plant the herring and then fix it and keep us together so that because we know it's easy to start fighting with each other. Yeah, this goes this way and others mm. we just keep fighting from some little detail. But with the spirit of prophecy we can we don't have to fight as much. Yeah, yeah. we open it and <laughs> when we get we will less fights, you know, if we really just believe in these councils. Save us for a lot of fights. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so do you think how, what we looked at today, has it made sense? Do you see that there is good reason to give, you know, the writings of Ellen White our attention? And uh, you know, do you see that there is important to, to actually, you know, heed and listen to what God wants to tell us through these messages? Yeah? Makes sense? See it important? It's good. Read, when you just read her writings and you just don't follow them blindly, but you with yeah, sound reasoning, uh, call into question. Yeah, yeah. Actually true what she's writing. What am I observing <laughs> in reality? What have I experienced myself? And then, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, it fits what she's writing. Yeah. I think, you know, that's an important point that you touched into there. Um, it's, of course, it's the same with her, like, basically, with reading the Bible. We need also, of course, have you know, time and place into consideration. We need to think about what does this mean for us, you know, and not follow blindly something she has ever written. Then we can do all kind of crazy uh, stuff. We need to think about it. I, I like how she says it. We are to be guided by true theology and common sense, she says. We need common sense to understand and how to apply what God you know, has told us through his word. Yes? Just a question concerning uh, the inspiration. We know that the Bible is inspired from God. Every church, the, 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 every denomination accepts that. And we also believe that Ellen White's writings are inspired from God. And Ellen White herself says that she points to the Bible uh, as the source of our, all our faith and the truth. But I'm just questioning what is actually the difference. In my eyes, in a way, I don't see a big difference. Mm. We do not build our beliefs from the white. We, we build it from the Bible. Yeah, yeah. But, but in my eyes, I don't really see the difference. Yeah. Probably there is difference, but not really set on... The, I've not heard any good description. Yeah. Because it's inspired from God. Yeah. I think it's... I, I think, you know, when I read what she herself writes about her own inspiration, that's very good to do, actually. It helps you from yeah, a lot of wrong understandings of her inspiration. She says basically she's inspired, you know, in the same way like the Bible writers. So they are, it's not like the Bible is more inspired than her writings. Both are inspired by the same spirit, by the same God. It's equally inspired. But still, so, so yeah, that is, I think she's quite clear on that. It's equally inspired. But still she points us to the Bible because she wants us, I guess it's several reasons for it, she wants us to be able to base our faith, you know, in the Bible. And I think also the way the Bible is written it's like she, she talks quite a lot about how study of the Bible, you know, will basically develop your intellect more than anything else. I think the way the Bible is written, it's really like you really need to use your mind, you know, to understand it and to connect scripture with scripture. I think God wants us to, 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 to do that, you know, to study this book. And when we can see things here, like it will, it will be good for our intellect. And it's like, also I think when you have to connect things like this and you don't understand it right away, it's easier for you to remember it usually than if it was said just plain out very clearly, you know, how it is. And in one way, it's, it's more, you know, you're maybe sometimes also more enthusiastic to share it. If you, man, can I show you what I discovered? 
if, if it, just, if, it would not be the same if you just said very clearly what you discovered through your own study by connecting different verses. You know, I think in a way that is maybe some reasons why she, yeah, I think why still you know it's not like we should throw away the Bible and only read the New Act for sure not. She again and again uplifts us and she studied the Bible, studied the Bible, you know, all the time. You wouldn't understand LNG if we wouldn't read the Bible. Yeah, that's true. We pointing to verses and to Yeah, yeah, all the time. The so many references, that's true. And we wouldn't be called Christians if we couldn't taste all of our LNG Wanchins. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's true with uh, I'd say all of LNG what what says that you can point them out from the Bible. Read what it says and then you open your Bible and wind where it is said, you know, where Bible says the same stuff. Mm. It's really effective, especially in the countries where LNG White is hated. This rule that you look what LNG White says, then you open your Bible and find how you can prove this. Yeah, yeah. And you can preach and share the same message with authority because you know it's true it, without quoting her, yeah, you know. You that's sometimes smart. <laughs> so, but yeah, I think one reason, you know, there is a reason God didn't want Ellen White to kind of beca- become a part of the Bible. It's a reason why it's separate, I think. Because I think if we it would be much harder for us. If we would have a special Bible and she, it would kind of be part of the Bible, people would think, this is strange people, you know, they are like, you know, I think it would be harder for us to reach mm-hmm. other people. Now we're like, all our 28 fundamental beliefs, right? They are based, you know, on the Bible. Like all the text there, all the foundation is from the Bible. It's not from Ellen White, none of them. And so I think, yeah, that's... The marketing principle is, it's better to be the first in the market than to be the best in the market. So the Bible already is a brand. It's already in the mind of the customer, so to speak. Hmm. Uh, so it would be, it's already in the market. And even though LNG White's writing would be better than the Bible, hmm. hypothetically, uh, it would st- still be the second and not the first one in the market. Hmm. So yeah, we, are, we can just build up on what the Bible has achieved during the last... Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Good points. But Steps to Christ is the third on the market. <laughs> Most sold book in the world. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It, it, soon we can switch around. No, <laughs> anyway, uh, tomorrow, tomorrow we are going. It's no, it's on Monday. Yeah, on Monday, the last part, we are going to uh, look at the foretold attack of her writings, and that's a very interesting and important things we will look at there. I think. Uh, so, yeah, let's, let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, raising up a prophet and sharing so many messages to us in your love because you want our best, because you want us to receive the abundant life uh, you have in store for us. Help us, God, to, to be like those on the ship that wanted to follow the instructions in the book and follow the pilot the last part of the journey. Help us to to hear and heed the message you send us, God, uh, so that we can be part of reaching the world in uh, in this generation. Uh, That is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, Or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.